Welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Emma Knight. I'm Andrew Nichols. It's our show. It is another case study Sunday and we are going through and meeting all of the financial advisors that we work with here at Opus. And we've got a very special guest brought back from the dead, brought back from <laughs> retirement. <laughs> Mr. Andrew Nichol. Yes, it was very short-lived retirement. As you probably all know, I retired from seeing investors directly and working with developers only, and that was very short-lived, two weeks, which is, is a lot longer than we predicted. We had a bit of a shuffle around one of our staff members away for a wee bit, and so here I am. Temporarily, we should say. Tool, back on the tools. So anyway, I have picked one of the case studies. This is going to get released just before I see these people. I'm really excited working with this couple. I just met with them last week, and now I'm going to present them with their plan this week, but I'm so fizzed up about it that when Ed said he wanted a case study in the meeting today, I said, I've got one. (laughs) So let's jump into it. First of all, give us a sense of who these investors are. Where are they in their life stage and how experienced are they in investing in property? Cool. So they're brand new to investment. I'm going to call them Shane and Shelley. (laughs) Oh, great Kiwi names. (laughs) Easy for me to remember. Now, one of the interesting things and why I chose this couple is because they've got a bit of an age gap. There's nine-year age gap. So Ed's laughing because mine's more significant than that. So the challenge when you've got different age gaps is you're retiring at the same time, but maybe you don't have access to KiwiSaver and superannuation. So that's always a consideration. So I like these sort of trickier ones. Well, let me dig into that, actually. Do you often see that with investors that, I mean, in the modern we always assume they retire at the same no, time, well, but I'm, do they actually retire at the same time? Oh, of course they do. There's no way that Shane's going to get to go play golf all day while Shelley slugs it out for another nine years. They tend to retire at the same yeah. time. Yeah, of course. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Shelley's just marrying right, getting a few extra years retirement. Oh, how good. Good yeah. on here. Now, these guys are based in Auckland. They bought their property. I can't, I can't remember how many years ago. I didn't write that down. I should have written that down. Sorry. They bought their property. I think it was a couple of years ago. It's worth about 1.3, about 900K worth of debt on it. So they've got some good usable equity there. Now, they're on pretty good incomes, about kind of a combined income of around 230-odd K. Yeah, pretty good incomes. But the issue is going to be that their personal mortgage is so high, that could potentially restrict their borrowing. Correct. So that's where it becomes a bit trickier. Now, some of the other things considerations with these guys when I'm working on their plan is that kids aren't on the scene yet, but that's something that's... How old are they? He is 42 and she is, whatever, nine years less than that. 33. Let's call yep. it 33 yep. from yep. a financial advisor. Yep. 33. That's on the horizon in the next wee while. So when I'm working with people like this, I want to try and get as much of the heavy lifting done in the next few years before kids. BC. <laughs> you, do, you like that? <laughs> oh, it's terrible because kids starts with a K, but we'll, we'll, go, we'll go with that. Before children. (laughs) (laughs) You idiot. Well, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Unfortunately, I didn't even do that on purpose. So, okay. And you do that because... You want to be purchasing these investment properties yeah. while they've got double Service income. Little, absolutely. They're going to drop to one income or part income at least for a few years. And so, therefore, their lending ability is going to probably stall at that stage. Now, we've got to bring back the disclaimer we had for a previous episode that was similar to this, where we said that 
You want to make sure that you're borrowing the money before you have any firm plans to actually yes, drop to one absolutely. income. Yeah. Otherwise, you do need to dispose that to the bank. You can't wear the puffer jacket into the bank and pretend like you're not pregnant. Yes, 100%. I've done okay. it before. Now, their, their goals are passive income and retire early, which I think is awesome. Now, what I've done is we didn't really have any firm amount of money that they wanted to live on per year. So this is goal setting. Goal setting, yep. So, so what I did was I worked on roughly about what – I think that maybe they're spending probably a little bit higher than what they're spending today because they're really, really good savers. So we've Did you use my calculator? No, I didn't. I just do it myself. Oh, Mate, Andrew. where do you think your genius calculations come from? They come from the head of Andrew Nickel. Who so, can't even do basic <laughs> math at his head, Listen, apparently. Yeah, at least I know that children begins with a C. So we've worked on $135,000 a year income. Now, I have worked on the nesty for now. I haven't worked on the golden goose because my plan is once we get them to this and once we get them familiar with investing, then we'll go into the golden goose where you've got an income for but for now, I'm working on the let's build up $135,000 worth of spending money per year from age 65, and I've worked to age 100. Why do you reckon I worked to age 100, Ed? Well, it's probably because old Shells is a bit younger. Yeah. So we've added on an extra 10 years worth of life expectancy. And again, I'm assuming that they retire at the same time. So Shelley's going to learn to play golf as well. So wait, you're going to be retiring for 35 odd years. Yep. Do you know what? It's not a bad gig when you think about it. No. You start working at, say, 20, 25. You work to your 65. So let's call it 40, 45 years. Then you get to retire for 35 yep. years. Working for 42 to 65 and then spending till 100. Now, they're both in KiwiSaver at the moment, so the KiwiSaver's nominal amounts because that was probably used to buy the first house, and then I factored in some other investments, so crypto, there's some money in crypto, so I've put that in there. What growth rate did you use uh, for so that's crypto? That's an interesting question. So I've used 6%. Now, the reason we've used 6% is because there's some shares as well, and I've used 6% for shares because... If crypto all of a sudden became unhinged and we didn't want to actually invest in that, I thought that would be a nice substitute. Why are you only using 6% for shares? Well, actually, this particular investor knows a lot about shares. And so I've actually taken his number rather than okay. my own. So perhaps they're investing in more conservative stocks or something oh, like that. Yeah, these were just the numbers we were comfortable with. Now, superannuation, we have factored in the superannuation, but only for him. So I factored in the single living alone superannuation amount of $424 because there'll be something, but it probably won't be the joint amount at least for nine years. Yep. Okay. In terms of where they're at at the moment versus where they want to be, these guys, again, are doing really well. They've got 50000 of the 135. The additional assets required are $3.7 million, again, to have that nest egg to live on. Now, what I've done is I've said for the next few years, we're going to really work hard to build this portfolio. So we're going to start the first property with one in Auckland. And I've worked on a lower purchase price than actually probably they're going to go with. So I've worked on kind of a mid $700,000 purchase price, 100% borrowing, growth rate of 6%, locked in now. Then I've said in two years' time, property number two, I've also said Auckland because we want to as much growth as possible, 6% growth rate, but a million dollars and buying that in two years' time. Now, the interesting thing that I'm sure we'll get into is how we're going to make sure that they've got the 
borrowing ability to get that because they've already got a lot of borrowing, but I'm sure we'll come to that. Well, I'll tell you what, because they've got other assets, we're actually thinking maybe we might use some of those other assets, the crypto and shares, to pay down personal debt to free up that servicing. Just to remind me, ballpark, how much shares they got? A couple of hundred thousand between crypto and shares. Oh, they got quite a lot. Yeah, Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Now, both of those I've said will probably require a top-up of, on average, $150 a week, I've said. So, they're going to be out of pocket, say $300 a week, 15 grand a year. And as we've spoken about in our show the other day about the top-ups, it's probably going to be quite heavily loaded in these first few years, which is okay because they're double incomes. But what I've thought is then we want to actually have a yield property in place. So I've put a yield property in year three so that then they can drop down to one income and those rental properties will look after themselves. So we're looking to try and get as much of that contribution covered in year three by a high yielding property with an inferior growth rate. So I've used a 4% growth rate. So it might be a dual key apartment in Auckland or something like that in three years time. Where does that get us to? That gets us to 98% of the goal. So we're at $133,278. We can live with that. Now, where did you say these guys have purchased at the moment? No, they haven't. So I'm meeting- No, no, no. Where they have their own home? Oh, Auckland. Now, have you considered it at all or had a conversation with them about diversification? Because no. you're looking at, at, they've got their own home there and then they're looking at purchasing no. three properties. No, I haven't because we're very growth focused for now. So the first two properties are probably going to be Auckland. The yield property, that could well be in three years, Wellington, because we might be looking for just a really, really good income and there's probably going to be some deals there. But for now, we're just building the wealth plan based on the numbers. We're not choosing the property for year three until year three. And just walk us through, how long have they got in this plan? So you've done this on the basis that these properties are going to increase at a certain growth rate over time. How many years have they got of that appreciation based on how old it is? That's 23 years. That's 23 years worth of appreciation. But remember, it'll only be 20 years for the last one because we're doing that over the next few years. So I guess the interesting things of this one for me is these guys are doing stuff already, so I really like that. They've got some ability to kind of redirect some of their investment. They've got good incomes right now, but we need to consider the fact that they are going to drop because they're at an age and stage where kids are going to come along and absorb some of that investment money. I think the other thing that we've got to consider with these guys, if we were to get the modelling perfect, which in some ways, do you know what? Here's a little secret team. The modelling's never perfect because even if you get the perfect model, obviously things never work out that way. Like the world's not perfect. Unfortunately. I know, it's very annoying, isn't it, for planning? (laughs) But what I would say is that Let's say we take that strategy because serviceability is going to potentially become the issue for number two in particular. One thing that we've got to consider is if we sell down those shares in crypto in order to pay down debt so they can purchase the second investment, that is going to affect where they were originally on track for. And so perhaps they might need another one in year five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whenever they're able to, even if it was 10 years in the future, to be able to make up for the shortfall because you're foregoing some of those assets to purchase a better one. Yes, and I have. I haven't done it yet, but I, before our meeting this week, I'm going to prepare the golden goose strategy. And my guess, just based on experience, is it probably only requires one more growth property at that stage. So if we added that in year five, for example, then we've probably got enough to be able to have that 135000 for an infinite amount of time. 
And the great thing about that is at that stage, they've got a couple of kids and so they're probably going to want to leave something to the kids. I think this is another example where you've got people who, again, have time on their side. Now, that doesn't mean you want to mess around and just think, oh, well, leave it for another five years. You want to start as soon as you possibly can. But having that time gives you the flexibility. If these guys wanted to achieve it with only five years left, we'd be talking about totally different strategies. One of the other advantages of this strategy rather than the golden goose one is golden goose obviously relies on a lot of time. If potentially, because of course this modelling says on your 65th birthday, you blow out your candles and then go sell all your assets and then start spending them. Well, that's not how anyone's going to do it. No one that's listens to the Property Academy podcast is going to sell all their properties at once. What they might do is they might sell that first one that they bought and they might use that money and there might be enough for say 10 years worth of spending. They put that in the bank and they spend that over the next 10 years. That means they've got 10 more years growth on the other two properties. And actually, what I've just noted down as we're here is we actually need to do a deep dive into the differences between the nest egg strategy and the golden goose. So we'll have to record that next week as well, because I think that is a really important thing when people are thinking about the long term. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to create a wealth plan like we've been talking about on today's show, you know what? I'll drop a link down in the show notes where you're able to learn about that. Or just go to opuspartners.co.nz, hit the we get started button up in the top right corner, and that's where you can find out more about what that involves. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Epic Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 